1: I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature.
0: Yes. And
1: I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this
0: podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart? Well, I had this question. Even as a young child, I would say, I am not happy, and people would say, well, it's all in your head, and I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing.
1: And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, help others heal and heal the world, Mm. that... This, this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture. And yeah. people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches. People take the training because it's like getting life coaching, yeah, you know, and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature.
0: Yeah. It was originally just an access your own true nature course mm-hmm. But when you've mastered that, you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with and they will pay you money. So if that's the way you want to go, that's why it ended up being Life Coach Training. But it's actually Wayfinder, which is different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own
1: course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to MarthaBeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan. And you have arrived in another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. I've been trying to figure it out by uh, counting on my fingers lately. Um, but Marty suddenly came in, noticed she had toes, and she figured it out immediately.
0: Well, not Immediately. Because now I have a sort of haploid, a haploid toe. Yes, a haploid toe on one foot. Because, What's a haploid toe? Well, they, what it involves is a chevron graft, which sounds like a carpentry skill. They, they saw your bones in two and they graft them into one. Then they pin them together and wait for them to grow into, two toes to grow into one.
1: This isn't a metaphor.
0: No, and it's also not something I chose electively as plastic surgery <laughs> for the sake of a appearance. Ooh, look at me. Now I have a haploid toe. <laughs> I'll never wear full shoes again. When you say a haploid toe,
1: to me it sounds like a kind of hapless toe, like just a toe that's always down
0: on its luck. <laughs> if you only knew how sad it feels <laughs> right oh, now. No, I had I had bone problems and they had to fix my foot. So now I have like nine toes and so when I tried to figure it all out, my calculations were off and I ended up... Um, Figuring out that I was an iguana woman living near Alpha, said, sorry. and well, so are you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but you, like maybe that is. who I mean, we haven't. Fi- I haven't figured it out. I can't <gasps> say for
0: sure that you're wrong. Oh my God, maybe we're all just in some guy's dream. Oh my God. Come oh on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. I um, I'll tell you what I'm trying to figure out for reals is is how come I sing everything now? (laughs) Since Lila was born 11 and a bit months ago, I've gone from a person who, you know, sort of comports myself more or less like other human beings to someone who compulsively sings everything. And I don't mean like, here I am, I talk to Marty and then I go away and sing a happy tune as I like do the dishes. No, I just, I go up to Marty and instead of talking, I sing (laughs) and like, so we, <laughs> like my inner monologue comes out in song. Can I tell them about how I told you about my dream? <laughs> yeah, If <laughs> you follow thought. me on Instagram, you may have already seen video evidence. But of the, this, the, but the it, thing
0: is, it just came out. I did not mean to sing it. And I just, I was just talking to Ro one morning and I just said, I dreamed a dream that there were monkeys. And they were riding on a go kart. (laughs) And that was the whole, that was my entire song. And it just came out. And she was like, what? And I was like, well, they were.
1: You know, upstairs earlier today, if I'm not wrong, you spontaneously wrote a second verse to that, didn't you?
0: And some of them were kind of chunky and some were working on a flowchart, yes. But that was just for the sake of rhyme. That was not really in the dream.
1: wasn't really in the dream. No, mind. I have
0: to stay in my integrity and tell yeah. you it wasn't really in the dream. The flowchart is pure invention. Invention.
1: That's on topic. Oh, we'll be talking about that.
0: sneak peek there.
1: Anyway, what are you trying to figure
0: out? Mindy? Honest to God, I'm trying to figure out how to be a person with two feet instead of one. Because mm. part of growing less toes was growing less feet for a while. I was off. Hang on. Wait, wait, back up a bit. Growing less toes. M- m- minimizing. T- subtracting a toe. Okay. The process of subtracting a toe, folks, subtracts a foot. For at least a couple months. Mm, gotcha. Don't let them lie to you and say, you'll be fine after the first two weeks. No, your whole body goes, what the F just happened to my foot and will not move. And it's great because then you just tell people, oh, I'd love to do the laundry, but uh, oh, I'd love to go get the baby, but uh, you don't have to do anything. Because And then if you do, you do it crawling and you look so pathetic that people in the family feel sad for you forever. She's never actually had
1: to do the actual crawling. All she does is, I suppose I could hop over there. I guess I could crutch my way across the room if,
0: if I must. I have crawled. It was just below your line of sight. And I thought, (laughs) was that you? I thought shouting was overkill. So I just grunted like, uh, uh." but the thing is when we've, you've already got one person in the family who crawls around grunting and it's perfectly normal. And we're like, yay, she's crawling and grunting. And then when I do it, nobody sees how pathetic I am. Oh no, we see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, honey. We do see.
0: Uh-huh. oh dear all So right. yeah i got to figure out how to have two feet again and it's kind of a drag but i yeah. guess there are some perks <laughs>
1: <laughs> listener questions marty Woohoo! we got them well they're not so much questions as i on my instagram asked our listeners as i am wont to do uh-huh. from time to time uh-huh. what are you all trying to figure out right and you told us you weren't shy not at all so we, many so many people told us yeah we we had a great conversation just based <laughs> on all your amazing responses so thank you i haven't we can't talk about them all that's what it comes down to but mm. i'm going to talk about a couple we can talk a few yeah, yeah. let's try it thanks for sharing though
0: that's yes the thing. everybody thank you. thank you very much yeah
1: yeah so we jump in let's jump in
0: change eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening i
1: feel like there's something that you martha beck have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it oh,
0: by coincidence now that you mention it i have it's called the change cycle mm. it's about four aspects of the whole process of change and we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change And
1: you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that
0: are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right, you can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. Okay, um,
1: the first one that I, for some reason, this to me epitomizes the bewildered state Mm. of the world that we live in. And this question, I don't know how to say people's Instagram names, but it's, it's Buddhafield, but it's got no L. Buddhafied, surely. Oh, Buddhafied. Like maybe she's been. Trans- I was
0: projecting the field part.
1: Yeah, I think she's just becoming more budded. She's I becoming
0: Buddhafield. Budafied.
1: Anyway, what did Budafied have to say? What she said is, with so many streaming services, my beau and I can never find something to watch, and I'm like right mm-hmm. right I mean this is a classic dilemma of our age and it reminded me of a term now when I say reminded me it it prompted me to google and discover for the first time <laughs> a term <laughs> which now I'm reminded of which is overchoice, and it's from the 1970 book future shock and marty If you would allow me to flagrantly quote from Wikipedia for a moment. Absolutely. No, I can't do that. Um, Sure, you can. Go for it. Everyone does it. (laughs) A a wiki quote. Oh, my God. You are so daring. Basically what it says is as we think that um, as we get more choices, we'll get more satisfaction because initially that is what happens. If you have one thing and then you have three things, it's like OMG. OMG. Check it out. I got three things. But the fact is when you suddenly have 57 things, it stops being more Mm -hmm. satisfying and actually has the inverse effect because as the number of choices increases, Wikipedia says, it then peaks. (laughs) Read things out and people tend to feel more pressure confusion and potentially dissatisfaction with their choice. Although larger choice choice sets can be initially appealing, smaller choice sets lead to increased satisfaction and reduced regret. And so what that
0: tells me is we shouldn't have as many we are we, we are being inflicted upon by all these channels yeah, yeah. we. We are victims. We are victims of the multi-channel. No, <laughs> we're not. I don't seriously think I'm a victim, you guys. But I do know, I happen to know why this works in your brain. Why? Because there's a thing in there called the attention bottleneck. Are you sure? Yes, I am. In my I brain once ghost wrote a chapter in a fancy book. Ooh. A fancy nonfiction business book about Ooh. called the attention economy. And I wrote about why people's attention gets scattered. Yes? Question. Yes. Are back. you
1: allowed, if you are truly ghostwriting, are you allowed to tell people?
0: Yes, the- that. What do you think haunting is for? <laughs> <laughs> Popping up in these people's dreams, like, I wrote a chapter. <laughs> they get ghost hunters coming in, and they're like, I wrote a chapter. <laughs> yeah, just reading the chapter is sort of frightening, I think. <laughs> it's written by ghosts. <laughs> anyway, the point is. I did the research. And there is in the brain something called the attention bottleneck. Mm. And it's to keep people from going insane from ADD. And it, all animals have it. And this is why herd animals exist. You get a bunch of, say, antelope. And you think that getting in a bunch would be a stupid thing to do if there's a predator around. Because now it's like, look, Big Hilda, bunch. Yeah, we're in a big bunch. Hilda, Fred, he can get us all. But the fact is that... In every predator's brain, the attention bottleneck that keeps it from going insane from ADD gets confused by too much data. Mm. So if all the antelopes b- start running around, what happens is that the tiger or the lion just stops and kind of stares at them with a the glazed expression. And if it can't <laughs> focus on just one animal that's uh-huh. lagging or whatever, yeah. it never, it doesn't even charge and neither do we. we I'm just picturing the,
1: the lion there. Did you say lion? What what? predator were you using i started with tiger i went to lion. and i like to be equal opportunity predator okay so the cougars are there and i did not say cougar <laughs> <laughs> why is that marty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh little little double entendre there um okay he's got a remote that's my joke like because he's got a remote he's like seen one antelope and he's like yeah um that looks good that looks good it's got 86% on rotten tomatoes and then but then he sees another one right next to it and he's like oh wait 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 <laughs> i'm not sure about the first one now that one looks funnier <laughs> <laughs> but this one
0: was written by the same guy who <laughs> right this one was well, has the same spawn mother as the one i liked so much last season the same i said spawn mother because- <laughs> I meant biological mother. <laughs> I'm sorry. It works if you have a dictionary and a very loose mind. All right. No, but seriously, it, it leads to something called decision fatigue in judges... They've done studies. If you're going to be tried in a criminal court, make sure you do it before lunch because judges are very careful to consider all the evidence before lunch. But by the time they've gone through half the day, they have such severe decision fatigue that they can't even look at all the facts mm. and they just start to start sending people to prison.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: I'm not I, kidding. No, no, I I totally buy it. It's, it's a real thing. It's actually quite horrifying. <laughs> but then there is, I, and so those things are real. But then there's this other thing, speaking of ghosts and spooky, there's this thing when you're just ready for a certain media item and you have to be like tuned to your inner readiness. Like we did not watch um, Ted Lasso. Because we watched five minutes of it and hated it. We were, we were just like, why does everybody we love, love Ted Lasso? This is ridiculous. And then like six weeks later, we were ready and we were like, let's, why do we want to watch Ted Lasso? I don't know. And we watched (laughs) 10 minutes of it and we were like, this is the best thing ever created. It is, you guys, you should watch it. It's good.
1: All right. Um, So one of the things that I want to draw your attention to right now is that before we started this little item off air, we said to ourselves, now the main thing is that we don't go on for too long about (sighs) this stuff. Now- i did we we did mm-hmm. we did but you know what uh, it's look the whole thing about streaming services is really relevant and important and who I'm, doesn't I stand need to talk
0: it. about that at this point in history exactly exactly it's what's up <clears throat> We have to figure it out watch what you are ready to watch and keep your keep your mind open that's what i say
1: and unsubscribe to all those like BritBox. Seriously, people, you really need BritBox. How much Inspector Morse can one person watch? <laughs> lad over rose, lad over rose, lad over rose. I don't know. Lad, over, lad rose. over rose says, "How to find a partner to build a life with." This is what this person is um, is trying to figure out. And asks, we don't know the gender of this person, how did you guys know? How sure were you? And we thought, let's finally go there. <laughs> this is
0: a good time to just say it. <laughs>
1: let's just go there. Because we don't really talk about our relationship
0: yeah. on the podcast very so much. So I say, yeah, I'm, this is my partner, Rowan. And it, sometimes people will go, but what happened to your longtime partner, Karen? And I go, Murder. <laughs> but i go nothing and they're like enough said and then i walk away and leave them just going what <laughs> so yeah that's that's actually what happened that like uh I, karen and i that was my first my first ever female female relationship was with karen
1: female on female
0: and then um we we're very happy and then um karen uh, roe came to visit us or our general environs, and we all got to, <laughs> hello. We, we, and one day Karen came to me and said, "I'm having the strangest feelings about Roe, and I, in my general environs, I feel I feel weirdly connected to her. In and, my general environs, oh, stop with it! I can't handle it. So then, and I I looked at Karen and I was like, Karen, I think you are like developing a relationship with Ro. And here's the weird thing, you guys. I've never, this is not, this was not part of my worldview. It was not part of the possibility field for me. I just thought that Karen and Ro were gonna get together and I would move into the guest room. And the feeling I had was one of overwhelming joy. Like I looked for jealousy, I looked for everything. And it was just like, it it was like getting hit by a joy train. I, I felt this explosion of joy. Hit by a joy train. <laughs> in my and we've general just been singing to each other ever since. But like, and so I said, bring her up to the house. Let's all get to know each other. <laughs> and we sat around like nothing happened for the longest time, except sitting around and talking a lot. Well, they brought me up to the house.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> She'd been living in the gutter, <laughs>
0: eating bones and
1: scraps. We bring threw her up out from the dungeon, Karen. <laughs> we may finally have some use for her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we all just started talking and it just over the a period of days and weeks, it, it became incontrovertibly clear that all three of us were in love with each other.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. There are people who love being like mavericks, cultural mavericks. We're not that people. No. We didn't. Go looking for this.
0: Oh believe no! Believe me. Oh no! 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 We resisted it. We were like, "This cannot be happening." Of course, nobody wanted to say it for a while. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Karen, Karen solved that for us. Karen just started telling people. <laughs> well, what
1: happened was we were, we were um, going down to see some friends and um, in the dungeon, and well, we practiced our script. Yeah, because we were gonna. Nothing had happened yet. We just all oh, stop it talking about things happening. All right. Okay. <laughs> nothing's ever happened (laughs) nothing (laughs) has ever or will ever happen in our general (laughs) but we do have a baby (laughs) figure it out (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um so we were like okay hey we just love each other it's just like a family it's a family
0: we have a family bond we have a serious strong family bond we never want to live without each other any of us and then we went Down to see our friends and as
1: luck would have it, this is just how these things happen, right? This friend of ours had his phone open and was reading aloud a post from someone we kind of knew on Facebook about polyamory.
0: Which term still makes me feel like weird, weird faint?
1: Yeah, I feel yeah. like funny in my tummy. Yeah, not which that is I
0: haven't, nothing against nothing polyamory. nothing against those of us who are that. <laughs> no, no, nothing against us. nothing against myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were not
1: comfortable with it my. at all. But Karen like likes to get the job done. That's her kind of way. She yeah. let's, let's not dilly dally. So we're family. Hey, it's just like you know, we're just a family together. It's just like that. Yeah, and. Uh, And then we walked into the room, our friend's reading about this polyamory post, and Karen just... just She just rears
0: up on her hind legs, as only Karen can do, and shouts, well, I love Marty and I love Ro. I'm going to get Thai food and left.
1: Ran out the door, leaving us in a room with about eight other people and a deathly silence. (laughs) Oh, God. And um, I have
0: PTSD <laughs> in this experience.
1: <laughs> you know what's really funny is we're telling the story like we're under duress, and what Ladova Rose, Ladova Rose, has said really is
0: not. Why are you- <laughs> tell me the history of your <laughs> relationship? Your weird ass relationship. All right, <clears throat> but no. What I want to say though is I like it was like a, it was seriously not optional. It was I. There have been a few times in my life when my son Adam was born as one, and this was another when. I felt as if some kind of cosmic force was literally moving me like a puppet and I had no ability to resist it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's something that, you know, it's, it's very real for us when we talk about culture and nature, you know, and we talk about how, yeah, you're gonna end up looking weird. We know from what we say, we are talking about this stuff. And I, Gotta say, my palms are sweating right now. Oh, this is not easy. No, it's really vulnerable to talk about this because I don't want to be this much of a weirdo, but
0: I am. We just heard about someone who is very well followed on Instagram who came out as being in a a thruple and lost 18,000 followers the next day and they all wanted to hurt her with everything they owned. Bit of an exaggeration there, but yeah, it was was a wake up. It was gnarly. It was gnarly. Yeah, because we don't understand it. I don't understand it. It just works. It feels like a three-legged stool. So, yeah.
1: I think we were right at the beginning with the whole family thing. Like, that's what it feels like. It's it's like, if you don't understand it, if this feels weird to you, we're a five-person family. That's it. That's it.
0: That's how we have to think about what car are we getting. Can I say one other thing? I loved the Walt Disney – when I was a kid, I loved the Walt Disney show Sleeping Beauty where three – Um, little fairies raise a little girl in the woods. And (laughs) honest to God, that is our life. If you bring in my son, Adam, who is like a wizard.
1: Periodically, Marty comes up with things that she thinks will make the news of how we live more palatable to the general public at one point she thought that the way that we bought each other rings
0: it is it when works. we got
1: married was the thing she's like if you just tell them about the rings they won't think we're strange and <laughs> so she has this long elaborate story about the different rose gold whatever it's, don't we're not going into it <laughs> i'll tell
0: the story if they want it okay if they want it they can ask i will tell it all right it'll make you feel normal about the whole thing <laughs> yeah no doubt um <clears throat>
1: How did you guys know it was, we tried not to, let's just say that. How sure were you? Pretty sure.
0: It's really interesting. I tried desperately not to fall in love with Karen because I didn't want to be gay. And that was a no, no deal. And then I tried desperately not to fall in love in a, a three person relationship. And if you are trying hard not to fall in love and you're still in love, I think you're, you're kind of sure.
1: Nothing is more romantic than the person that, You know, you've been spending more and more time with bursting into tears on the couch and groaning.
0: Oh, my God, I'm in love with you. (laughs) It was horrible.
1: (laughs) It was horrible. She's like, I have to be in my integrity, so I've
0: got to go tell our friend (laughs) (laughs) Stephen. I have to tell everyone in the world. Oh, no, I can't leave my integrity. I'm in so much trouble. It was awful. And it's been amazing and wonderful. It's been so awesome. Good old life. Anyway, we said we wouldn't go on and on. And here we are.
1: On and on. All right. Just Resonate, yeah. very easy to read. Name says, I'm 52 and feel like my life
0: is just beginning. It's a good bewildered. I hear you. Amen. I took a little online quiz and it said that I was going to live to be 106. And it changed the way I do everything because I was like, I was, I'm was, i used to thinking, what if I only had a year to live? But I never thought, what if I have like 50 years to live? And then it was it's like I'd better get hobbies going. And it like life. She's like, great. You guys seriously, I need to get this foot surgery. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got my toes melded. I'm like, I thought I was just I was just gonna limp into the grave, but apparently I've got some I've got some life in me. And it's a it's a great way to be bewildered.
1: It is, and it's a great way to stick up your middle finger at the culture because there is so much cultural stuff and we don't even realize that it's it's cultural stuff about what aging is and what you know, you know like what you can't wear after a certain age or whatever like and there's really insidious things that go into our heads about how physically fit we can, you know, expect to be and I'm really coming up against all of that now. And um at 41, I've just decided I'm going to be in the best physical shape of my life in my 40s. I'm going to be more strong. I'm going to have more energy and I'm going to do the – like this body is what it is and I will do the absolute best that I can by it and why not?
0: Hey, everybody out there can read a book called Extra Life by Stephen Johnson, which is about how we've doubled our life expectancy humans have over the past hundred years. I mean, life expectancy is going on and on and on these days. And nobody would have thought a hundred years ago that we could expect to live to 80. So we've basically all got two lives, according to the culture already, and getting more. So I say, jump in. I have a wild rumpus.
1: It's the oh, beginning. I love it. I love it. I love it.
0: So, as you know, in this podcast, we help people, that would be you, from bewilderment to bewilderment, to going back to our wild, true nature and getting away from traps that culture sets that keep us away from our happiness.
1: Yeah. And in this episode, what we want to talk about is a sort of phenomenon that we think comes up where you're doing your best, you're living your life, and it's not bad. Not bad. And you sort of think, oh, this is Fine. Fine. It's fine. How are you feeling? Fine. How's your job? Fine. Yeah. Fine. How's yours? It's fine. How's your foot? That's fine. (laughs) Is that it though? We might ask ourselves hypothetically. One might say. One might. One very might. And so this is why we've called it As Good As It Gets with a little question mark. Because you might be able to figure out that we have an opinion about whether that's as good as it gets or not.
0: And I've had a zillion clients come to me and I actually, I just was interviewed by a famous person last night who asked this very question. She said, my life was really good, like better than most people's lives. And I just kept thinking, this is it? That's all all there is? What? And I said to her, what I've said to so many people, that could be just anxiety invading a perfect life, but it's more likely your wild self saying, hey, there's more for you. I really think it's your wild self saying there's more for you.
1: And, and maybe that's because when you know, when we think, Oh, I've arrived in all my wildest dreams. They're not your wildest dreams, they're your tamest dreams. They're the culture's dreams. Yep. Some of them, I'm not saying for sure, but I think that we you know, like I think that this woman who you were talking to yesterday had reached a lot of the sort of pinnacle of oh yeah you know, what what our culture would would see as a perfect life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when we get to that point of like, all oh, right,
0: maybe it's not all about that. And it makes me think of my favorite quote from Helen Keller, who said, life is a daring adventure or nothing. So there was, and she, you know, because of her disabilities, she had to be daring every single moment of every single day. But even when she got used to speaking in public and got past her disabilities in so many ways, she was still an incredibly daring woman. Nobody knows she was a communist and very outspoken. People tend to mush over that part, (laughs) but she was. You can agree or disagree with her politics. You got to admit she was being brave. Um, and and I think most people in our culture say, yeah, adventure, yeah. Everything's a uh, daring adventure, daring adventure. And here's and the yeah. thing.
1: It, you can be having adventures and then they still might not be fulfilling. You know, like even adventures themselves can be a kind of cultural cliche. And that's yeah. what we're getting at this week.
0: So when I coach people, one of the things I used to do, and I still do it, um, but at a different point in the coaching, and it's called – the ideal day scenario. And what it is, is you picture that your life is as perfect as it could possibly be. Like all your dreams have been realized, and this is a typical day in that life. And I would start people right out. I'd I'd sit them down and say, give me your ideal day scenario. And they would describe this. I wake up in a hotel, no, not a hotel room, but it's, it's, seemed like a hotel room (laughs) I wake up in a a room all the walls are white there's natural wood in a few places and huge windows everywhere outside I hear the ocean and birds and a fragrance of pine I go (laughs) to my white marble bathrobe and I take my white marble shower and I put on my (laughs) white marble peasant blouse and and my flowing skirt, which is white. And I run to the beach in my little sandal thongs and I talk to all the people. And I would say, what do the people look like? And they'd say, they're all wearing white peasant blouses. And I was like, what's going on? Like no one. I finally realized they were just basically giving me an under the Tuscan sun mm. cliche
1: mm-hmm.
0: And the men all wanted to own bars, typically, um, wanted to own bars on the beach. And the women wanted to, I don't know, paint watercolors and sell them on the boardwalk or something, Mm. or vice versa. There were a few that, you know, skipped the gender divide. But um, generally, it was the same damn day. And it sounded boring. And I would say, what do you do on week six of that day?
1: So the thing is, though, that what what strikes me about that story is, yeah, there's a really – there's probably a really big mainstream kind of, I don't know, like interior decorating magazine kind of version of this in the sort of – in the culture. But I think that it's – again, it can be sneaky because I think you and I have both had experiences of having daring adventures that – they're not the mainstream culture's idea but they can still be cultural right like there's all kinds of different ways that you can have be having adventures whatever like whatever your adventure is how you go to the market and buy your peaches you know I'm not talking about necessarily huge adventures but you
0: love going to the market to buy the peaches oh my god I really do but that's an that's for later that's a real adventure these adventures are taken from like subcultures
1: yeah yeah I just want to say like it's not just under under the Tuscan sun and and buying a bar it's sort of like there's a um there's lots of different ways that we can design a life that is still not as wild as we think it is, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's based
0: sense. on a cliche, which I did. Go on. Like my whole thing was, oh, you know, I'm, I, my father was a professor. That was what was approved of in my family culture. So yes, I do well at school. I'll go to Harvard. I'll get a PhD. I'll be a professor. And then I'll, I'll be a writer and I'll get on the bestseller list and I'll go on speaking tours and people will stand and cheer for me. And I'll be on the Oprah show and have fancy photo shoots in New York City. I mean, this is the stuff of extreme privilege, right? right? right. Massive privilege that I fought for, like with every ounce of energy. I didn't sleep for decades pursuing that dream. And every single time one of them would happen, I'd think, it happened. I think I did it wrong because I don't feel very good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And those were adventures. And and yet sometimes the adventure is still the culture. Mm Mm-hmm. So for me it was – I'm a much more of a little rat bag than you. and, and Oh, you're so, so much cooler. <laughs> That's the thing. You're just cool. So for me when I think about the adventures that I was having that um, there probably were looking back, there was as much culture as there was nature in it, is running around going to music festivals and not washing for a week and um, moshing to whatever 90s grunge band was – or rip-off 90s grunge band that (laughs) Australia could produce. Um, And, you know, like I did a lot of travel, which some of which was really um, very much true to my nature. But, you know, there was the time that I decided, and like this isn't everyone's culture speaking, but my little culture of the most far-flung place you can go, the cooler you are. And that's how I ended up in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan in 2006 and uh, thinking to myself, ha, 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 I will go to the place no one goes and that's how I will discover that even though no one goes there, it's actually amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I am really really sorry to any cookie listeners <laughs> that we have but oh my God don't go there
0: <laughs>
1: It really yeah. hey, the beer was strong. The beer oh the beer was strong. there was beer there anyway there was there was strong beer was a lot of snow. there was some sort of soup with mystery items you know floating around in it it's i mean bless them bless them i mean what a lovely place <laughs> oh dear well, there's no way out um i'm sorry i'm sure it's it's lovely in the spring so you went there in the winter i did go in there in the winter yeah i was so sure that um it was gonna be amazing <laughs> So that was definitely culture, and uh, you know i I found myself out on the street in Galway Island. I think we might have talked about this before with my guitar strumming away for for euros <laughs> um, and that was a lovely adventure.
0: and how romantic is that? Go put your guitar case out, strum away for a while. People put euros in your guitar case.
1: But when you think about it, like I look at those things and my, those adventures of mine and i think kyrgyzstan hmm, cold fingers i think busking in ireland cold fingers <laughs> music festivals hmm, foot fungus oh yeah Ew. i didn't have cold fingers at those festivals but daring adventure very daring
0: <laughs> so you know these things can look different but they didn't scintillate you they didn't light you up in in the way that wild things get lit up by their
1: truth yeah that is that is very well put
0: yeah yeah so that's consensus now we'll talk about our senses
1: so what we're trying to say i guess in these stories is this fair marty that you know you can have these adventures um and still be saying is this as good as it
0: gets? Like it should be, but is it? Right. And and if you don't if you're feeling it, then stay with it. But if you're not feeling it, if you've got that wild thing inside you going, maybe there's something more. It may be that the adventures you've been creating, even the wild adventures, are cultural artifacts that you learn from movies and from TV. And they're not as fulfilling as you hoped they would be. I was so disappointed when it didn't ever f- fill up that sort of emptiness inside. And I remember watching Saturday Night Live once and it was a bunch of New York women in a in a bar or they were meeting for lunch. And every one of them was like, I'm so tired of advertising. I think I'll just, I don't know, open a blueberry muffin shop in Maine. <laughs> and then the next person would be, ah, oh, I know television production is such a drag. I think I'm just going to, open a bakery in Maine somewhere. They all wanted to open a bakery in Maine. And then one of them actually did it. And the others like beat her to death or something for actually (laughs) doing it. Can I just ask a question as
1: a side note? Sure. Because this is like me as an outsider. I'm just really, really curious. Because I've heard Maine, the state of Maine, come up a few times lately. And there's almost like – I feel like there's some – um, what is like what is Maine for Americans? What does it represent in the American subconscious mm. in the way that you sort of know oh California, yeah, I'm thinking about that Florida I'm thinking about that. but what's what's
0: Maine represent? I think Maine is quaint and quirky like it's seen as this place it's not it's not in the big cities, but it's northerly enough not to be like one of, one of the dread southern you know bogs so it's it's crisp and clean and cold and the people there are quirky and they speak in short sentences and they eat enormous amounts of blueberry muffins there are a lot of blueberries in Maine I must say so that Mm. I think that's how people feel about it
1: got it okay yeah And, I mean, Stephen King. Yeah. That's that's
0: all I've got. I've just got Stephen King. For Stephen King, it's just a playground of evil. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The (laughs) Blueberry muffins are all being run by ghouls.
1: (laughs) The blueberry muffins are alive.
0: Uh, But, like – and then there's – if you've read uh, John Krakauer's book, Into Thin Air, about these people who spend – a fortune to have people basically drag them up Everest. Oh
1: yeah, this is. Nuts. And he
0: writes he went up um, while reporting for Outside Magazine on a year that so many people died on Everest, and he came back and wrote the book while he was still quite raw and angry. And and he just said it is not worth it. All it's about is pain and suffering. And you stand on a mountain, but do you really want to lose your limbs over this? Like, it you can feel that in there. And th- the myth of Everest kind of crumbled in that mm. book and he was just like live your lives be happy this one don't spend a fortune on this it's ridiculous so the big adventures that the culture sells us are just like everything else the culture sells us mm. so Roe the other day invented a thing and I said mm. let's do a podcast on this and she calls it an inventure
1: yeah so
0: why don't you tell us Roe because this to me is the Coming to our senses solution, the cultural predicament is that even our adventures are prescribed. Mm-hmm. And the coming to our senses is to make life a daring adventure. So tell us what an adventure is.: I've always been weird. <laughs> when I write and speak professionally, I have to tone it down, especially the part where I believe the universe loves us and is on our side. A few years ago, I decided to just show up online and say what I really think. This became The Gathering Pod, a series of discussions about how to thrive in a difficult world. So if you need hope, inspiration, or a chance to listen to someone much weirder than you could ever be, come join me on The Gathering Pod.
1: An in So, it's... It's essentially it's like it's an adventure but it's not prescribed by culture that's the easy way into it but um it's it's about the way that the word works is in invent venture in venture and that's the whole thing and but the in and then invent it's like it's almost like a breath in like you stop, you don't. You put the magazine down, like the culture's magazine picture of of what an adventure is or what a life is. In, and then on the out breath, invent. So don't don't take it. Like don't even make your vision board out of magazine images. You know, like just draw it <laughs> from scratch because that's it's it's in the spirit of invention that we can really make something that we know is new. Because I think one of the tricky things with this stuff is, is you have to get really honest with yourself to know if what you're longing for or aspiring to is the culture or is truly yourself. Like we're, we're really trained hard into going with the culture and aspiring to that. And so it's it's quite a process sometimes to find our way back to our own wild self so yeah, so this is this is Inventures, Wild Inventures. My new side hustle is called Wild Inventures and it is about this and how it works, you know, not just in terms of, you know, the adventure sized aspects of our lives, but I, I wanna think about how we live adventurously day to day, minute to minute, you know. So It's
0: so- very, very exciting. I've been I've been like I have had front row seats to the invention process of the inventors. And it's very exciting. It's it's a massively um, interesting and, and clever way to come out of the cultural, you know, strictures and get back to your real nature. And to go back to Helen Keller saying, life is a daring adventure or nothing. She also, the next words out of her hand were... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's me. She said, "Security does not exist in nature." So the first thing I did when I was listening to Ro talk about inventory is say, "Where is the edge of my security?" Because huh. we feel secure within the bonds of culture, right? Um, but it's when you leave, it's when you get to the edge of, "Oh, people aren't going to like this," but uh-huh. uh, it's true to my heart, which right. we talked about with the whole thruppleness. Yeah. Our whole, our whole daily life, our relationship is like this. Yeah, and, and it's scary. And that's kind of how you know where the edge is, because um, being a little bit scared is actually the way uh, we get fulfilled. Like, like the positive psychologists have found that on the edge of insecurity, where we're trying to push back the boundaries a little and live according to something that scares us just a bit, mm. that's where we enter flow and joy and happiness. And then it's, you start to develop, as we've talked about this, this process of going in And seeing what what excites me and still feels a little frightening. Oh, yeah. That's the end. That's what you're going and looking for into the mind of the self. You go looking for the jewels. And then you say, okay, well, what can I make from that? What can I invent? And then you, by glory, make that happen. Yes, you do. I am taking notes.
1: (laughs) From This is the nice thing about you know, getting to hang out with Marty all the time is that you have an idea and then she just says 4,000 amazing things about it and you get to write it down. And, you know, I mean I think what's so interesting about the is it frightening idea is really Maine and Stephen King. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Is it frightening? Because that's what Stephen King asks himself and that's why (laughs) –
0: no, right. sorry, I'm trying to read a No, is it interesting? <laughs> is it scary? I'll write a book about it. Is it interesting? Is it scary? I'll live a life about it. That's is it interesting? Adventure. Is it scary? Is it a clown in a drain <laughs> with a muffin? <laughs> <laughs> is a clown in a drain that runs a blueberry muffin shop? <laughs>
1: All our muffins float down here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy, now we're getting into okay. territory we don't even want to touch, no, so right. to speak.
1: So, as it were. And so I guess what all that brings us to is that life is either a wild inventure or nothing, Marty.
0: And that's when you discover how good it can get when you start to live your life as a wild inventure. And we speak from experience, yes? Yes. So let's give the folks some some real world examples from our own lives, because what else is interesting to us? Nothing.
1: Nothing. <laughs> nothing, darling. <laughs> Um, yeah, so okay, so for me the first one that pops up is parenting, inventures in parenting because holy MFing crap, there are a lot of cultural knives around parenting, like all this mommy wars kind of stuff. It is gnarly out there and there is so much judgment and there is so, it's so weird and I didn't realise just how intense it was until I was in the thick of it. Tell
0: and them what you mean because I, I'm a mother and I don't even know what the mommy wars are. So,
1: okay, so it's all about different, I guess the, the kind way to say it would be, different schools of how to parent, whether you've got like people who talk about attachment parenting or people who talk – so any – Any little thing like, oh, my baby won't go to sleep. Mm. Get ready for the mommy wars. Really? Yeah, because you should never put your child down. Your child is, um, when your child is crying, they're communicating need to you. If you abandon that, you know, da 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 da, or. You have to put them down and let them cry. Yeah, yeah. That's how they learn. Blah blah blah. So it's oh, anyway. And that's just like one example. And it's so hard because you know, with other stuff in my life before I was a mum, I it, there's just that sense of the worst that can happen is that I mess myself up, <laughs> and that's really different um, sense of you know the stakes. Then Ooh. worst that can happen is I mess this child up. And you better believe that all the like big players in the mummy wars are gonna tell you, don't do it my way. And your child is like for sure going to be like well dead in a gutter by the age of
0: fifteen. Basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So So,
0: so that checks the scary box. How do you do the adventure part? So
1: there's so for, okay, so for me, part of the invention part of InVenture is that I like to gather a lot of information, and that's not everyone's way. So first of all, the in is is I get still. It's got to, everything's got to start with that, right? Mm-hmm. In, go in, see what's up, see what's there, and then, um, and then I begin the, the invention process for me. Not for everyone, but for me involves like learning stuff and then like measuring it against how I feel. Like just literally how does that make me feel, good or bad? You know, your your uh, coaching method, you know, you talk about free and less free, mm, yeah. you know, and, and, and all of these are the same sort of tools towards feeling your way towards your own individual truth and if it corresponds exactly with one particular like dogma or school of thought, it's probably
0: not really yours. Mm, That's really interesting because I raised a small posse of (laughs) other people before Lila came along. And if I look back, um, the times when I tried to follow the culture, I regret, I so regret it. I'm Mm. putting that kind of pressure on the kid. But when it was my nature, like trying to cook Christmas cookies with them every Christmas, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, get in here and make the Christmas cookies. (laughs) It's an important (laughs) part of childhood, (laughs) especially if you're a Mormon, a straight Mormon woman. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then, uh, but what I remember most fondly is when there was no food in the kitchen, there was just oil paint and we all sat around drawing because that was my nature. And it turned out that they liked it too. So, what about you, Marty? What's where are you looking at adventurous living? I was kind of forced into adventurous living around work because mm. I couldn't hold a job. I had, from early on, I had a lot of autoimmune diseases. I had these three little kids. I, I, I just wasn't able, physically or emotionally, able to get a normal job. So, what I've done my whole life is think, let's see, what uh, what do I do that someone might <laughs> pay me to do? Oh. I just learned how to bend spoons with my mind. Well, I use my hands as well, but <laughs> you do—you can bend spoons with your mind. And people have paid me <laughs> to teach them to do that. So, and and it's really cool, but it's a very scary living. Bring, 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 bring.
1: Hello, Martha Beck. Spoon bending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got some spoons here, and they're just—they're so straight. I, <laughs> I don't know what I can do with them, but I would
0: sure love to. Pay someone to bend. <laughs> no, it's just the the spoon bending is not the point. <laughs> you can get you your spoons been- bent professionally. You don't need to pay me to do it with my mind. <laughs> but the 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 adventure has been. Oh my God! I've got to pay the mortgage. I don't I can't do a job. What can I do? What's it? So I go I can to my pen to spoon. Yes. This <laughs> is what I'm saying. It does not sound normal. I know, and I'm right there with you, but you have to admit it is rich with comedy potential. <laughs> All right if you say so. To me it was a living. To you it's comedy. Okay. <laughs> but here but you know how we met because I decided I want to, okay, I'm obsessed with saving the world. I love going on safari in Africa. I do this uh, life coaching stuff. And and uh, maybe people will pay to come with me and do all of that at once. Yeah. And, and did. they did. They did. They came. And they, and I'll keep doing it. And it is called the African Self-Transformation Adventure Retreat or STAR. But we're thinking <laughs> oh, of changing yeah. it to <laughs> the self-transformation Invent your retreat or stir.
1: Oh, it'll <laughs> stir you up. It'll <laughs> stir you right up. And I was explaining to Marty that because we we got into the whole shaken not stirred, obvious you know sort of digression there. But um, I was explaining to Marty that when James Bond says shaken not stirred, that's like when you shake, unless I'm misunderstanding, when you shake a cocktail, you're shaking it in ice and watering that cocktail. Down. If you stir it, that's a stronger cocktail. So I'm just saying, it's what he's asking for in his debonair way. Is uh, I'd like a a drink that sounds really, you know, butch. But could you just water it down a bit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's going for an adventure drink by the culture standards, ah. but an adventure drink is I want that thing stirred, no ice, poured straight down my throat. Just just pour it into a syringe and
1: inject it into my eyeballs. <laughs> Because I'm a real man. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, you know, for other people, they could be looking at inventors in personal hygiene, for (laughs) instance. Sounds scary. Um, Insect management. Inventors in insect management. How to do it. Yeah. Or like inventors in health, right?
0: Or in, yeah, or in retirement. Like what are you going to do with your life?
1: Retiring inventurously.
0: Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Or like your living space. Like there's a whole network of tiny houses that just got me going the other day. If I had
1: a network of tiny houses, I'd stick them all
0: together <laughs> and <laughs> cut out the walls in between them. <laughs> and make, make an enormous house. Oh, maybe just a
1: really long corridor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I would what love- an adventure.
1: I would love to hear from you all about where you're having adventures. You can write to me once you join my mailing list or um, follow me on Instagram, all those things.
0: Or go to Wild Inventures and join the mailing list for Wild Inventures at RowanMangan.com. Did you already say that?
1: Uh, you can't go to Wild Inventures. Because um, oh. there's no such place, but you can um, go to RowanMangan.com and sign up for the Wild Inventures mailing list.
0: I just decided I went within and decided uh-huh. that there should be a Wild Adventures make- mailing list. So I'm just going to create one, but just for myself, because that's my adventure.
1: The, no, there is a Wild Inventures <laughs> mailing
0: list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try <laughs> to learn to go to the interweb <laughs> and learn a thing, because for me... That is crazy scary and way out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's good times. It's good times. I hope you all have lots of wonderful adventures and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And don't forget, stay Stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. For more of us, Martha's on Instagram, TheMarthaBeck, she's on Facebook, TheMarthaBeck, and she's on Twitter, Martha Beck. Her website is MarthaBeck.com. And me, I too am on Instagram, Rowan underscore Mangan, I'm on Facebook as Rowan Mangan, and I'm on Twitter as Rowan Mangan. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI.
0: You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need And the world needs wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBank.com and you'll find your way.